Hey, New Life, Merry Christmas. I want to bring you a few highlights of what are happening through the month of month. Them, I hope that you will be. The first is on December the 12th, we have a Christmas carol sing that we are going to do here on our site outside in the parking lot. We are putting out the Christmas lights, we're putting a band outside, and we are going to just offer some fun Christmas carols. Some fun carols for the kids, some more traditional carols. We're going to have a few fires that people can stand around. We also have a special thing that we're just continuing to finalize that I can't tell you about it yet in case it doesn't happen, but it's really exciting, and I want to encourage you to come. We are looking to do something that just allows us to be together and to have some fun. Because we're singing, we are going to ask that you wear your masks even when we're outside. And I do need to let you know that we are limited to 100. So to register, you will need to go onto our, our website, newlifecollingwood.com, click on the register button. That will take you to the opportunity to register for the Carol Sing. We're limited to 100 people. And if you don't register, you're not going to be able to attend. I hate saying that, but I need to. We want to abide by the guidelines that we are asked to operate under and make sure that this is a safe event. It will be a safe event. It will be a great event, and I encourage you to be part of that. The second thing I want to talk to you about is our Christmas Eve service. Normally, we are in this room here, and it's full on Christmas Eve. Last year, we switched and went to two services. This year, everything is completely different, and we recognize the challenges that many of us are finding in trying to decide, are we going somewhere or are we not? So this year, our church leadership has decided that we will be providing a high-quality Christmas Eve video that everyone can participate in at the same time. We're going to be offering it, premiering it on Christmas Eve at 6 p.m. and invite you as a family, as a household, as uh, people that are in your bubble to join us online rather than trying to offer something here in person on site. With the uncertainty of numbers, with the fact that many people are restricted from attending, we wanted to offer something that everyone could participate in in the same way. There'll be some great music, there will be some Christmas readings, and there'll be a short devotional message uh, from myself. And it will hopefully be a meaningful experience for all of us as we gather in our homes and celebrate together the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ, his life, and everything that he has brought for us by making us right with God. We'll celebrate well. It'll just be online. And along with that, we recognize that so many people are maxed out in their stress. They are feeling the pressure of the longevity of this pandemic. It is a long season for all of us. We have a lot of volunteers that are working hard to make our broadcasts happen, to make our uh, in-gathering uh, services happen here on site on Sundays and on Tuesdays. We also felt that it would be prudent and meaningful and helpful if we took a Christmas Sabbath. So from Christmas Day through until January the 8th, we are going to have a Christmas Sabbath as a congregation. And what that means is this. 
our Sunday mornings on Sunday, uh, December the 27th, and Sunday, January the 3rd, we will only be gathering online. We will not be having an in-person morning for those two Sundays. We will have an online experience for everyone to participate in. And during those, that two-week period, our church offices will also be closed, but our leadership will be on call. If there are any needs, all you need to do is call the church, and, and someone will be available to help you. We feel like this is going to give all of our volunteers a much-needed break. We recognize that the potential for people gathering and that an outbreak happening will also be uh, more prominent during that time. So a two-week kind of waiting period to see how that goes might not be a bad idea. So that's going to be what we're calling a Christmas Sabbath, where we just slow down and give everyone a chance to pause And then that sets us up to be refreshed, refueled, rejuvenated for 2021 as we head into January and February. Three Christmas announcements. I'm excited about them. I trust that you will be too. And we're just looking forward to making this a meaningful time in light of the parameters in which we have to work. We are praying for you. We are hoping that uh, you can experience the presence of Jesus and God's love in this Christmas season, and we are happy to journey with you through that. Thank you for tracking with us, for being part of our family, and uh, and moving along with us in this way. Merry Christmas. that is that better turn the microphone on just realize i'm wearing the same pants i was wearing in the video Um, but uh, i'm not sure what you think about that but uh if that's a fashion faux pas well i've got many more where that came from so and you already know that anyway any of you who have been around for a while and have have seen me If you've got your phone and you're here in person, could you take your phone out? If you're online, grab your phone and open up your text messaging and dial the number uh, 37607. That's the number that you're texting, 37607. And then in the body of your text message, if you would type in, NLC 936. It doesn't matter if it's capital or lowercase. NLC, New Life Collingwood, 936. And hit send, and that will let you into our live poll. We're doing a live poll this morning. We're going to do a word cloud, and we want to ask the question, how are you feeling these days? How are you doing? So once you text that number, 37607, And then the body, NLC 936, that will let you into the poll. You should get a a response that says, hey, you're in. Um, You can do this. We're both here in person. And as you're doing it online, you'll be able to see this as well. Uh, Here it is here showing up. 
and asking you this question, how am I feeling these days? And I want you to be honest. If you're feeling fine, then put fine. What, I'm, what I need to ask, though, is that you not type a sentence. If you type a sentence, it messes up the word cloud. If you type in one or two words, that works best. And we'll watch this start to show here. And I just want to encourage you to be honest. That word weary was mine because that's how I'm feeling. Last week it might have been a different word. Well, it was. <laughs> I'm not sure I could type it though. Um, and I know that uh, as the, I'm having conversations with people, I just felt like together we need to just have a moment where we just say, hey, here's how I'm feeling. Here's how we're feeling. And... And be okay with that. I just want to give time for this to just come in. We've been getting our text so that we're only about five seconds delayed from people who are watching online to people who are here in person. How well can you guys see this from where you are? You can see that all fine? Great. I know online you can see it because it's the whole screen, I think. Okay, so if you're, if you're not done, just wrap that up because I want to leave this now and just start looking at some of these words. Overwhelmed, tired, weary, numb, anxious, exhausted, confused, discouraged, Isolated, busy, empty, drained. And then there's thankful, there's good, there's blessed, low, tapped, grateful. And look at these ones. The bigger words are the ones that are getting more of the same answer. So the bigger the word, the more of the people are using that actual word to describe how they're feeling, in case you're wondering how this works. And I, I want to tell you that it's, it's okay to feel that way. I've been having lots of conversations with people in the last two weeks, and none of this surprises me. Um, it's really difficult for a lot of people right now. And I, I wanted to... I wanted to just collectively take a moment and, and just see how this played out and then just kind of talk about some of that. Because we're heading into a season of a long stretch of little sunshine, not being able to see the people we want to see, not being able to do the things that we want to do, dealing with uh, weather that is going to be up and down like a yo-yo, snow, rain, cold, warm, 
And all of that takes a toll on us on a normal year, and now we're adding all of the extra stuff that comes with that. And, and I'm actually, you know, as we're doing this, I'm standing here kind of feeling like, okay, God, uh, help. I want to read some scripture for you. Just looking at this, thinking, okay. So I'm going to turn to Matthew chapter 11. Because a lot of the things on here, tired, overwhelmed, exhausted, weary, bored, numb, drained, um, the biggest words that we're all feeling. I think Jesus has something to offer us this morning. Jesus was with a group of people who felt the very same way that we seem to be feeling this morning. And he prayed when he was in front of them. And this is what he prayed. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. And he's talking about uh, the kingdom of God and the way the kingdom of God operates. And he's saying people who think that they've got it all figured out think themselves wise and clever, but God, you've chosen to hide that from them and actually reveal this to the people who are dependent on you, who just look to you and say, help, Daddy. And so that's what he's doing in this prayer. And then he turns to the people and he says this, My father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And he's revealing, Jesus is revealing God the Father to each and every one of us here today. And then Jesus said this to the crowd, and many of you will be familiar with this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. This is in Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and I am gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls because my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And I think there's this invitation for us today just to recognize who Jesus is. And that he shows us who the Father is. And the heart of the Father is not to put more burden on us right now. It's not to have you come here to church and say, now you need to do one more thing. It's for us to just recognize, this is how we're feeling, Dad. And this is awful. And, and the response is, sit with me. Spend time with me. And you'll find out that what I'm calling you into isn't going to be something that's a weight for you to carry in fact, it's going to lift the burden off of you. And it's just going to let you to experience the Father in new and life-giving ways. So I want to give you the opportunity this morning to, to just recognize how we're feeling. And if you're here and you're feeling good or you're feeling great and thankful and life is wonderful, then what Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he just said, pray for people then. Be thankful and pray for other people. 
And so if you're representing one of these people where things are good, then I just encourage you to pray for other people. If you're here and you're like, you know, it's all I can do to hold it together to get through today, um, you're in a good place. Because we're allowed to be honest here about how we're doing. Last week was all I could do to keep it together. Uh, I'm going to see my therapist soon. He's going to help me work through uh, some of the anger that I keep wrestling with and uh, in working through. And, and I'm fully expecting him to have all the answers and to fix me. Um, but uh, I somehow I suspect um, that'll just be an ongoing conversation. So I want to invite you, uh, if you would, at home, here in this room, just to close your eyes. And just take in a deep breath in through your nose. And just as you breathe in deep and then exhale, let that become a rhythm that works for you. Slow and deep breaths. And just recognize how you're feeling this morning in your body, from your toes as you work your way up, your legs through your torso, out your arms to your fingertips. Those places that are tense or feel weak or sore. And then you continue to breathe in that slow, deep rhythm that works for you. And as you breathe in, you're inviting the Spirit of God to come into your life. And as you exhale, you're letting go of those burdens. And you're letting Jesus take those heavy, weary, causing challenges and just allow yourself to sit at his feet. And if it helps you to visualize being with him, then do that. Visualize what he looks like, what he's wearing, his facial expressions. And then together we will talk with him. Jesus, you once said to your followers that you have compassion on these people because they're like sheep without a shepherd. Father, we come to you this morning and, and we recognize collectively that um, a lot of us are tired. A lot of us are weary or numb. I feel like there's a lot of uh, grief that people are experiencing at what can't be or what's been missed. I think of what we learned just recently in Peter's writing about suffering and how we all have forms of suffering and we don't need to compare our suffering to somebody else's and then feel bad about how we're feeling. May we not only have grace for one another today, but may we have grace for ourselves. Thank you, God, that things like love and grace and mercy and comfort and forgiveness are in never-ending supply through you. 
We don't have to work from a scarcity mindset. And may each of us here, may all of us together learn how to sit at your feet or to stand with you, to be with you and to receive. And not to think about giving, but just to receive, to open ourselves up and be completely vulnerable with you and to be brutally honest about who we are and let you into every room in our mind, in our heart, in our soul. And be surrendered. And then to find not harshness, not punishment, but overwhelming, glowing, warming love, grace, mercy. And as we experience that, and it softens us, May we then just put our hands out symbolically to let that love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and comfort flow to those around us. May we experience in you a yoke, a mantle that holds us together that that isn't binding or restricting, but is freeing. It's wonderfully light. And may we discover that as we actually surrender ourselves to you and your lordship. To let go of our own way of living, which is often restrictive and harsh to find in you a freedom that we've never experienced, no matter how long we've been walking with you. May we find higher and greater levels of freedom and love and joy and peace and comfort. Because you know the Father, Jesus. You've revealed him to us, and we see this in you. And we thank you for that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray together, giving you glory, because you uh, are everything. Amen. Amen. I'm just making split-second decisions here on what to do next. I guess I want to say one thing. If some of this is like to the extreme for you and you just feel like you really wish you could talk to somebody about it, um, please don't hesitate to just ask. Um, we have numerous people that are great at listening and coming alongside. And it might be me. Um, I suspect it probably would be somebody somebody else but if it's me I'm available uh, if it's somebody else you don't know who please just call text email reach out 
and we will respond um, and just journey with you. It's just one of those pastoral things that I've just, the conversations I've had, it's just felt like, man, we just got to talk about this for a little bit. Uh, who cares about First John? Um, I mean, I care about First John, but I spent time putting that together this week, but then just kind of thought, I feel like this is, this is more important for us this morning. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just truncate uh, what I wanted to teach about with First John. <laughs> I have no idea how to segue into this. So forgive me. There's a word we use in the church a lot. Um, and depending on what kind of church setting it is, we use this word and we throw it around and we kind of know what it means, but you know, to describe it is a little bit challenging and we often use it as a verb and it's, it's the word fellowship. This word here. Christians love to use this word. I don't hear a lot of people outside of church using this word, but when we talk about, like no, most people would talk about having a party. We're just gonna have a party, get together with people. And Christians love to say, we're gonna fellowship. And, and we, it's kind of become one of those languages that we adopt in the church sometimes. And, and, I, and I tease it because I think sometimes we have to laugh at ourselves that sometimes we talk. And when you think of the word fellowship, what do you think of? You know, some of you right away, I say the word fellowship and you're thinking, you know, Lord of the Rings. I'm like, yeah, great fellowship. Not exactly what I was getting at though. Um, so when you hear the word fellowship, what do you think of? We often use the verb form of that in the church. We fellowship with each other. But a fellowship is a noun, like the fellowship of the ring. And so what are some other words we could use instead of the word fellowship? We could talk about an association or a society or a circle. Um, some of the definitions when I looked up in the thesaurus, one of them was fraternity. And I thought, yeah, no, I don't want to use that this morning because there's just so many connotations with the whole idea of a fraternity. But I, um, I like this word here, a collective. And I know right away there's word associations that happen in people's minds. So if you're seeing the word collective, some of you instantly went to the Borg because that's how old you are and you're thinking about the Borg collective. Some of our more younger people are probably thinking about a boy band that's going around right now called the collective. Um, but I want to talk about this thing today, the collective, because I think John, writing his letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, actually talks a lot about this idea in explicit or indirect ways. And he's inviting people into a fellowship or a collective. And this is how he starts his first letter. The first letter has five chapters. The second letter has um, just a few verses. And the third letter is even shorter. So they're, they're very short, very small. But John writes this in the beginning of his first letter. He doesn't say who he's writing to. He just starts right off the bat. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We've seen him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. So John is talking right off the bat, hey, we were with him. And then he writes this in verses 3 and 4. 
We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. It's no wonder we talk about that in the church. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. And John is saying, listen, we want to invite you into the collective. But it's not just any collective, it's a Jesus collective. And when you're part of the Jesus collective, then you're understanding in new and ever-increasing ways what it means to be in relationship with God the Father. And when you do that, you experience the joy that we ourselves have experienced. So John's talking about this Jesus collective and he's laying out some of the credentials and he's saying we were with him. It was this invitation to listen to and hear from somebody who saw Jesus, who listened to him teach, who traveled with him, journeyed with him, walked down the road with him, and then saw him killed. And then witnessed him in resurrected form. And when those people who were with Jesus and they joined this collective experienced the resurrected Jesus as he went to the Father and then the Spirit came down. See, when Jesus was in bodily form, there was very limited access to him. And then the Spirit of Christ comes, what we call in the church uh, the time of Pentecost. And from that moment on, all of humanity has equal access to God. And we experience Jesus in ever-increasing and new and fresh ways. And the people who have turned to Jesus, like John, John the fisherman, who then has his world turned upside down, those earliest followers of Jesus had their worlds turned upside down by following Jesus. The invitation that John is giving to people in this letter, the original listeners, is I want you to be part of the collective to experience that same Jesus. And have your world turned upside down too. And that invitation is still present for us today to follow Jesus, to have our world turned upside down. As John writes this letter, and as you look at other places in the New Testament, what you discover in Jesus is this radical rabbi challenging systems and powers and structures in his day that were keeping people pinned down, that were holding people in bondage, that were preventing people from having full access to the God who could completely transform their world. And Jesus was just blowing apart these systems and these structures and even individuals challenging them on the way that they were preventing having full access to God. And everything about Jesus was revolutionary and explosive and dangerous. And somehow over the centuries, it just feels like we've done a fantastic job in the church of taming him, of putting him in a box, of limiting what we want Jesus to do in our world. And I think John is in this letter, um, even in the other two, is just lighting, trying to reignite this idea of, of what happens when we just throw open the doors for Jesus. 
And I think for a lot in our Canadian culture, a lot of us, myself included, we enjoy and appreciate our comfort. And so we've created a system for our life. And whether you're a church person or not church person, we all have systems and they're religious systems and that is what we do with God. And so we create a box in our life. The box is called life. And a part of that box, you've got family and work and education and pleasure. And we have Jesus as one part of our box. And what John is saying is to be part of the collective is to just have that entire box blown up. And for now, the box to be Jesus. And we're part of that box. And we're part of this Jesus collective. And this is the kind of fellowship that John is talking about. And then he goes through and he begins to lay out some of what it means to be part of this fellowship. But I think we've tamed Jesus so much that we don't frighten anybody anymore. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I don't think the church should scare people because we're just a bunch of crazy lunatics. I think we should scare people because we're following the beautiful and dangerous Jesus who's inviting us into his collective. And that means that the church threatens powers and structures and systems in our day that are oppressive and limiting and numbing some of the people. If we went back to that word cloud, it's numbing them. And the invitation in 1 John to have fellowship with the Father and the Son is an invitation into an absolutely beautiful but dangerous collective. And it is characterized by one thing. And that is this idea that we love one another. And I suspect right now somebody's rolling their eyes because I just talked about loving one another. And yet there's this fundamental element to following Jesus that is characterized by this radical, explosive, life-altering ability to love fully. And that is what John writes about again and again. So in chapter 2, verse 7, John writes this. Dear friends, and John is this amazing guy who, who calls his listeners friends, or he calls them my um, little dear children. And when he's writing this, he's probably quite a bit older. And he says this, I'm not writing you a new commandment. It actually is the one that you've had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message that you heard before. And then in chapter 3, he does the very same thing. Chapter 3, verse 11. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And John is in a tradition of the earliest followers of Jesus, of following the pattern that Jesus set. So in the Old Testament, all of the commandments of God, which sometimes people in the church just want to say, we just got to go back to the Ten Commandments. I'm saying, no, we need to go back to Jesus because he fulfilled that old covenant and actually set it aside and said there's a whole new covenant and it is based on something entirely different. And so when Jesus was challenged, of all the 613 commandments in the Old Testament, which ones are the most important? Jesus said this, it is love God with your whole heart and what? Love your neighbor as yourself. He summed them up into two. 
But then he actually truncates that and gets it down to one. In John 13, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other as I have loved you. In John 20, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you out into the world. The Apostle Paul takes that tradition and he says, all of the law and the prophets can be summed up in the single command, love your neighbor as yourself. James does the very same thing. And then John here in this chapter is saying, if we're going to get one thing right, it is this. We are going to love one another. All the world will know that we are his disciples if we love one another. And it is not that kind of love that is passive and wishy-washy, warm, fuzzy feeling. It is a powerful, explosive uh, love that transforms everybody, including our enemies, which Jesus modeled for us. And John, as he continues to write in this letter, chapter 4, verse 8, says, if we would figure out how to love, we would show the world who God is. So in chapter 4, verse 8, John says this, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we could have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we should love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. No one has ever seen God, but if we would figure out how to love one another in the way that Jesus loves, which is powerful and explosive and life-altering and dangerous and beautiful, all wrapped up in one, if we would love like that, then the world will see who God is and how God operates in this world. It is a Jesus collective that is characterized by one thing, the ability to love one another. The truth test of Christianity is in how well we love, not in how much we know. And the more that I continue to read Jesus, follow Jesus, and study the things that Jesus said and how the early church responded in the New Testament, I can't help but keep coming back to this. And I feel like in the last hundred years, the church in Canada, and, and I'll just say the church in Canada, has focused so much on making sure that we know all the right things about God. And we forgot about the power and the characteristic of what it means to be loving. And some people will push back and say, well, how are we supposed to love Jesus if we don't know about him? And I just come back to this word that's used. Even in John, he uses the word know again and again and again. And he uses the word truth in 2 John. And in 2 John, he talks all about truth. And Christians love to talk about the truth. And yet when you read 2 John, this letter that he wrote, the truth that he's talking about is the ability that we have to love one another. And so again and again, people are not going to be moved to follow God by us having the right answers. They are going to be moved to experience God and, and even investigate him by seeing how well we love. And John is banging that drum over and over and over again. And I just feel like that's a nice drum. I like the tone of that drum. And I'm going to keep banging that drum. Because I need to learn how to love people more and more. 
I want to finish with this. It is a Jesus collective with one thing. The ability to love one another. That is not something, one more thing that you've got to add to your to-do list so that God will be happy with you. <laughs> it's kind of that back to the Matthew 11. Some of the systems that we hold on to are just, they're preventing us from experiencing God and they're keeping people on the outside. And it's just letting go of that and allowing ourselves to experience the love of God that flows through the Spirit of Christ. And as we experience that deep, gracious, merciful, forgiving love, it just allows that love to go out and to reach the people in our world in ways that we didn't even anticipate, in ways that are dangerous, in ways that are beautiful, in ways that are earth-shattering. And so this is not one more thing for you to add. It's just old things made new. And when we want to talk about our voice from the margins, when we do this together, when we love one another, our voice is amplified through our collective love. And the world sees Jesus in the way that he intended. And we experience Jesus in new and fresh ways. Because there are always new and fresh people to share that love with. Amen. God, may your love increase in us so that more and more we will, might understand what really matters. And that your love would flow through us to each other. And that in seasons like this, long, dark COVID winters, it is our love for one another that will carry us through. And that will be a beautiful expression of our love for you. May that become reality for each of us. And for any who are kind of on the outside looking in. That they would experience the invitation to be part of this Jesus collective of people who are characterized by lavish, wild, ever-flowing love. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for tuning in with us. We will see you uh, next week as we begin Advent. God bless. Bye for now.